Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, we welcome back Robert Young as we discuss episode one of the Disney original series, Loki. Hi, Robert! Hey! It's- I haven't spoken in a while! <laughs> It feels good to be back, but oh, thank you. it seems longer than it actually was. Right? Because the, the, when was the se- our last podcast together was the se- the season finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So that was like May. I feel like the season finale was was in May. Maybe yeah, like, like the first like, week, second week. Yeah. Like yeah. So it's been. um, And so, of course, we've been waiting. Like after that, after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you were like, drug addicts like when's our next hit <laughs> yeah and then they changed the day on us too they're yeah. messing us all up why are they doing that well we'll, we'll put a pin in that we'll mm-hmm. put a pin in that but robert is back robert and i will be back doing weekly recaps of uh the new original series loki um they like robert said the episodes air on wednesday which was a little weird to us because we've been used to the friday releases with wandavision and uh falcon and the winter soldier yeah. so it was just sort of like wednesday what are y'all doing <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i'm so glad you're back i i gotta tell you i i i've been looking forward to this series because um i'm a huge fan of tom hiddleston i've always said that he's one of the best villains of the mcu mm-hmm. um because he's just messy he's messy yeah. but but also tom hiddleston just makes him so charming like even when loki does the most despicable things you're like oh loki why <laughs> um but tom just has this charm about him so i was just i was really interested to see like where they would go because we know the last time we saw him well, Infinity War, we saw him murdered by Thanos because, you know, he basically sacrificed his life to save the people of Asgard and and his brother, his adopted mm-hmm. brother, Thor. Um, and then we saw him again in uh, Endgame when they uh, the rest of the Avengers went back in time to retrieve the Infinity Stones. Yep. Um, and we basically saw they went back to the end of the first Avengers movie when they had caught Loki. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when he was down, when he was down in the lobby, there was like some sort of mix up. Tony was supposed to Tony was supposed to get the Tesseract. um, But we saw the Hulk (laughs) just busting through. He was mad because he couldn't get on the elevator. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so just as Tony had the suitcase with the Tesseract, the Hulk just came busting through. Tony went flying and so did the um, the briefcase with the Tesseract. And then Loki is just kind of like observing. He just takes the Tesseract and we just see him, you know, disappear in a cloud of smoke, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so this takes immediate this takes place immediately after his last scene in Endgame. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on episode one of Loki. What did you think? Uh they they really hooked me, you know. Can I be honest with you? Yes. I have never been much of a Loki fan. Mm-hmm. I really didn't start, you know, liking the Loki character until Ragnarok. That's okay. kind of really, you know, once he kind of like made that turn mm-hmm. um, um, to being, you know, uh, I guess I wouldn't say being good, but being, you know, uh, just trying to help Thor, mm-hmm. you know, and be a good brother. 
So I, I didn't really like the character till then, but I'm already hooked into this. Ah, they've done their job. Yeah, they did their job quick. <laughs> they did their job quick. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, um, of note, uh, the showrunner or the director of the Loki series is a woman. Uh, Kate Herron and the writer is Michael Waldron and I really I really love I I just want to say that I really love this uh the way that Disney is veering like as far as like their original series that they've they all these shows have been helmed by women right Mm -hmm. um WandaVision was was has was helmed by a woman I forget what her name is um for Falcon and the Winter Soldier it was it was headed by Kyrie um, yeah, the director Oakland, was a woman. Yeah, was a woman, and so this is a woman as well. I I haven't seen too many ep- um articles talking about that, but I think that's huge. I mean, yeah, hopefully we'll get to is. see. So uh, what I'm hoping is that if this is the direction that Kevin Feige is going in as far as hiring women, because I think we're also seeing that with um She Hulk. She Hulk is is being helmed by a woman showrunner. Am yep. I correct? That's yes. correct. Well, I'll, I'll double check that. Um, and so is uh, Miss Marvel. The Miss Marvel series mm-hmm. has, yeah. has a, or is it a woman or? I'm pretty sure of, it is. Yeah, I'll double check with that. But um, I am hoping that we will see this because um, we do know that we're getting an original series uh, with Wakanda. Uh, yeah. Just sort of like a spinoff of Black Panther. So I'm really invested in a Black woman showrunner yeah. <laughs> for the Wakanda series i mean i'd I was be like, really surprised if they didn't do that yeah i mean I, nothing against my black brother directors but i just feel like if if this is the precedent that you're setting yeah. with the other shows then it just stands to reason that you should look like if you're doing woman 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 then you know the world of wakanda should series should at least to me be a woman and should specifically be a, a black woman or woman of color Absolutely. Um, yeah but i will say this i do think and people could fight me on this. Um, I think having women showrunners on these series uh, gives it a certain spin. Mm-hmm. It, w- would you agree? I don't know. Uh, I think I agree. Mm-hmm. What, what, may, what makes you feel that way? Well, just for instance, like... Um, particularly with the male characters, right? Mm. Like, I, like, I'll use a perfect example... Perfect example to me is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we know that Bucky has sort of been like this very like tragic, angsty character. We know that, you know, he had been um, kidnapped by Hydra and and brainwashed um, and became the Winter Soldier. He became this assassin for Hydra for like, what, over five or six decades or whatever. Right. But I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was really the first time where we got, and I think this is what the series do so well is like is really giving us time to sit with these characters mm-hmm. um and the way that bucky was written i was just so fascinated like it was just it was just like peeling layers back from him yeah. and, so, and so instead of him becoming like this sort of like uh cold alpha male assassin we really got to see like this very vulnerable side of him i mean we saw some of that in the movies but like the, that cold open of what was it episode five where the flashback was in Wakanda and oh, he was yeah. with, and he was with Io and then she was basically testing to make sure that the deprogramming had worked. That's one of my favorite scenes, baby. Let me tell you, I was just <laughs> like when he just broke down crying, that just tore my heart out, and I was just like, 
I'm not saying that a male showrunner wouldn't have done that, but I mm-hmm. do think that women showrunners do. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from their technical abilities. Absolutely. Women directors have the technical ability, but I also feel that, that um, a lot of women directors bring a certain humanity and a certain sensitivity to male characters. Like I'm always yeah. fascinated. Like for me, I've said this time and time again, um, I will finally be interested in a Batman reboot when they mm. get a when they get a woman director. Yeah, to that, direct they're a, long overdue for that. Imagine a woman directing a Superman movie or a Batman movie or you know or black a uh, Black Panther movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. I'm always I'm always fascinated by how women deconstruct male characters. And you would think that I mean wrongly uh, some men would wrongly assume that oh you're a woman. Um, you know, if you're if you're gonna write or direct uh, male characters, you're just gonna drag them through the mud because you don't like men. And I actually don't find that to be true. I actually find that women characters have a certain empathy yeah. and compassion for their I male agree. characters. And so I, I, yeah. And so I, this is all to say that this is what I'm seeing in Loki. Yeah, um, I mean, we got that. Mm-hmm. Near the end of this episode. Oh my gosh! What I was just like—I really was not expecting that. I was just Me like, because remember, you and I had had talked about this briefly in one of our recaps of Winter Soldier. Is that you know the Loki that is in this series is not the Loki who died in Infinity War. Right. That is 2012. Right. 2012. Yep, 2012. 2012. Avengers villain wants to burn the world with the Shatari Loki. Exactly. That's where we're at. So I was very fascinated to see how the writers were going to tackle this. I'm like, are are they going to just whitewash his crimes and murders? Um, And I was very shocked (laughs) (laughs) to see that they were like, oh, we've got something for you, Loki. (laughs) Owen Wilson went in on him. So so let's talk about some of the characters. Um. Owen Wilson, he plays Mobius, right? Morbius, and he's he, yeah. he works for the TVA, which is the the Time Variance Authority, right? Yes. So basically, because Loki took the Tesseract, that uh, that alerted the the, the TVA um, because they were like, basically, you're breaking the time continuum. There's just one continuous flow, and you fucked up the flow. <laughs> <laughs> one sacred timeline. One sacred timeline. Um, so they take him in, and that's when we're introduced to Wunmi Masako. Um, mm-hmm. She is one of the enforcers. I forget what her character's name is specifically, but he don't play. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! She just she just hemmed him up because he was like, because what the the funny part was uh, when you saw disappear from you know the building in Endgame, and then he ends up in the Gobi de- Desert, and you see some of the. Um, inhabitants or the residents come out so they see this weird white man in this costume and then he gets up on top of a rock and you know he starts his usual I am Loki and I am mm-hmm. burdened with glorious purpose and they're just looking at him like what the hell? <laughs> I thought that was so funny um, and so yeah he shows up they just come out of a portal um, me is, is, is one of the enforcers one of the head enforcers and when he tries to attack them she just fucks him up okay and then kind of puts this 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 uh collar around his neck and brings him into the tva so i wanted to find what did you think because i thought that it was hilarious to me this whole idea of the tva and loki 
like stuck in this hellish bureaucracy was hilarious to me. What did what did you think of? Oh, it was so good, and I <laughs> love that uh-huh. scene of her capturing him. Yeah, just the way they introduced the way that you know mm-hmm. she could slow down time. Yes. And have him feel the pain, you know, with, Ooh. I don't know if it was the weapon that causes the time to slow down or if they have something else mm-hmm. that did it. But uh, just introducing that uh, was just so cool and the way it looked and the way they explained it. Yeah, yeah. I love everything about um, this bureaucracy of the TVA. And I'm really uh, looking forward to learning more about this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know there were some people that were talking about um, and I think they actually did a really good job with this because the thing with these Disney series is that, you know, they're appealing to two different uh, to a, a few different demographics. Right. They're mm-hmm. appealing to us. Right. The hardcore MCU fans, the ones we've watched all the movies at least <laughs> four or five times. And we could break down everything. Read the comics and everything. read the comics. Exactly. And then there are the. The other demographic, people who may not have watched MCU movies, who have not watched Marvel movies, may not be um, too familiar with Loki and his storyline or his story arc within the MCU. And I thought that, particularly that scene in the TVA with Miss Minute, what is that what her oh, name was? Oh, my was God. Miss- oh, that was so good. <laughs> that breakdown of the time stream and yes! what the TVA does, that, yes. vi- that 50s-like cartoon vibe, that was just so perfect. It really was. Because because the thing is, that's the challenge for the writer, uh, who mm-hmm. was Michael Michael Waldron, for, for, by the way, because it's like, how do you distill 10 years worth of a, <laughs> of a story arc of a character and make it entertaining and make people not want to shut off or turn the channel, right? Or, or switch to another show. Yep. And I think they did a great job with that. Because it was I think, perfect. Yeah, like you said, by actually using the animation and actually making it funny Mm -hmm. um and so it was sort of like because i was learning because i i'm not too familiar with the tva while i'm very familiar with the mcu and the characters i really wasn't sure who the tva was and by watching that little cartoon he watched in like that dmv type of area (laughs) where he was like take a ticket and then loki's like ain't nobody here (laughs) but you gotta take a ticket anyway um so i felt like it was a really good like if you're someone who either watched it, you know, have already watched uh, the MCU movies or someone who's just brand new, I felt like it gave you enough information that you could be like, okay, I see, I see what, what the TVA is. Okay. It was a perfect entertaining bit of exposition yes. like, to, to, to give to people. I do. I totally agree with that. Cause sometimes we'll see, it's like what they call a info dump, like an exposition dump. You're like, Oh my God, this is fucking awful. But I thought that they did a really good job with that. And, um, and just Tom Hiddleston's <laughs> annoyance and everything. Like, how dare you? I'm a God. And they're like, you ain't nobody here. <laughs> and it was kind of scary and creepy at the same time. The Miss Minutes cartoon. Yeah. Like it was, it was entertaining, but it was a little scary and creepy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did want to speak to some, want to talk to you about something really quick. And I don't know if this is intentional, but I feel like this is one of the things that I, I've been noticing about Loki from uh, the first trailer and even uh-huh. watching the first episode. I don't recall seeing any white women. 
Pretty much that whole oh, first wow. episode was all women of color from the Asian women that you saw in the Gobi de- Desert. And then you're introduced to Wumi Masako, Hunter B-15, right? You uh, are black right. Women, right? And then you, yeah. you're introduced to Gugu and Bathara, who's sort of like a judge, right? She works on the behalf of the TVA, another mm-hmm. woman of color, and a uh, black mixed race woman of color. And I was just like, hold up. I didn't see. And then from what I understand, Sasha Lane is supposed to show up. Okay. Um, and she's she's a woman of color as well. So I thought it was actually quite fascinating that even though that this is a show, it's not technically a black show. It is it is very much a mainstream show. The main character is a white man, but almost all the women leads are women of color. And I would really love to ask. Maybe it was Tom Hiddleston. Was that intentional? Is that something like in the casting? Like I was yeah. really impressed. That's super interesting. You know what? <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. hadn't thought of it. Mm-hmm. I oh. was just like, there might be, there might have been like, you know, some of the Minutemen, you know. The yeah, I'm guessing, been, yeah, because yeah, we but, couldn't really see their faces or anything. Exactly. So it's sort of like a reversal, right? Because, you know, years ago, we were the ones that were sort of in the <laughs> background. We would have been, you know, Minuteman extra number six, right? Yeah, ex- extra yeah. number six. And then now to see, and then what's interesting is that these women are, are like, they're in women of authority, Right. Like they're the ones that are telling Loki what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll tell you, I want to talk to you really quick about something just on this subject. And I wanted to get your opinion as a man watching this. I remember I watched episode four. This was episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. That's when the Dora Milaje showed up. And that's when they had that huge fight with um, uh, with John Walker and Sam and Bucky, right? Remember they they told right, Bucky in the have, apartment. And, yeah, they were trying to retrieve um uh trying to retrieve uh what's his what's his name again? Oh, Zemo. Uh, Zemo. Zemo. Yeah. And you know, it was just a free for all and this Dormalaji just hemmed up everybody. <laughs> um but I was watching this episode with a friend of mine, with a male friend of mine, and he was like he made an observation. He was like, I don't know if it's me. But I was getting a little bit of like an SM vibe. Like the interaction Ooh. between between Ayo and Bucky. I mean, we've already talked about how people are like, oh, Ayo's a lesbian. Yes, yes, we know. But I'm right. just saying, as far as what we saw on screen, like there was a little bit of like a dominant, submissive sort of thing going on. And at first I laughed. I was like, oh, come on now. No, I don't think so. I don't think. But then I watched the episode again and then watching Loki. There's definitely some I sort of I definitely feel that in Loki, for sure. Yes, there's definitely <laughs> some sort of dynamic uh, between this white man and these black women that are just basically, like, tying him up, putting a collar mm-hmm. on him. I mean, a collar around his neck. That is so BDSM. Like, come on now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, yeah. just, so I, I mean, I'll have, to, I'll have to sit on this and, like, think about it some more, but... Um, cause you and I have talked about the fact that, you know, there's been this overall discussion about how like a lot of Marvel movies are like sexless. Like there's not like a lot of the characters, you don't see them have sex or whatever. Right. And I feel like Ragnarok, I mean, aside from Pepper and Tony, like, yes, but we never saw them doing anything. And the same with Gamora and, um, and Star Lord. Like, like you, we, we never see them like waking up in bed together. It's more right. like, we know they're together. They kiss and that's it. But I felt like Ragnarok was like to me the first MCU. Oh movie my god! That it totally was. <laughs> it, 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 it introduced like this element of kink 
that I was totally there for. I was like, okay, I know this this movie is children friendly, but I think you, as the adults, I think we were catching a lot of things oh. in Ragnarok, and I feel like Loki is kind of picking that up. I mean, yeah, which to- is kind mm-hmm. of perfect, right? You know, yes. that's the yes. you know the Thor Loki bloodline, so it's kind of perfect. <laughs> I was just like, wow, he really likes being roughed up by these black women. Yeah. But okay, maybe I don't know. Roughed so- up, having it slowed down to you know <laughs> milliseconds and feeling the pain while it oh, slowed down. Oh, pain! We got yeah. all that going on. I think we might. I, I think we might need to. I think we'll wait a few episodes and then we'll revisit <laughs> this because I'm very. I'm not saying it's negative or positive. I just think it's fascinating. Like one that the women are women of color, and also they're in these like very authoritative positions over this white man. Um, Which, and you know, like I said, you know, when um, what was her name? Uh, Wunmi's character, Hunter B15, when she was effing up Loki, and I was like, all right, if 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 this is going to be the new aesthetic of Marvel of black women just beating up white men. I am totally here I'm for it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it so much. I'm like, all right. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yes. So we see that Loki has been sucked into this bureaucratic hell by the TVA. And that's when we're, and then elsewhere we're introduced to uh, Owen Wilson's character, whose name mm-hmm. is Morbius. He's part of the TVA. And I think in, in, he was in like 1589. Am I bugging? Right? Yeah, that was time. the first one they investigated. Yeah. So clearly they, he's on the case because there is some sort of um, time traveler who's also like a serial killer. Like he's basically hunting down the Minutemen. Um, mm-hmm. So he traveled back in 1589 and killed some more. And so while Morbius is investigating that case, one of the other Minutemen comes through a portal and hands him a file on Loki and Mobius is immediately like, okay. So he goes back to whatever time um, and sits in on, on uh, Loki's trial <laughs> who's presided over by Gugu and Batha Ra, who is mm-hmm. uh, Ravona Renslayer. I think that is like the dopest name ever. I love, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It sounds like a dominatrix name. <laughs> See, see what I'm saying? All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's and there. It's, it's there. there. Yeah. So somehow, um, you know, Morbius goes up to, you know, Ravenna to Renslayer was like, I got this. I think, you know, whatever. We're not really sure, but he's kind of like, I think Loki can can do this for us. Right. Or something. So we're kind of figuring out what plans he has for Loki. And so he gives Loki like a tour of where they're at. And it's just this huge futuristic like it's just amazing like the production value on the show is like they're not wasting any money on any of these disney series no like, you know what it made yeah. me feel very jetsony yes like, it felt yes. like a, a retro throwback but also super futuristic at the same time it, didn't you felt that too right like yeah. the color it kind of had like with the circles it kind of felt like that 60s austin yep. powers type but <laughs> yep. yeah great point like it but it's also futuristic at the same time yeah, yep. I totally agree with that. Um, and so, yeah, so Morbius basically takes um, uh, Loki into this room, into this chamber, and he it's basically becomes a this is your life, where mm-hmm. he basically has a whole reel of Loki's life. Is his his not his best, not his best moments, but it's basically <laughs> scenes from all the other MCU movies. I think they did a great job with that, um, and. What what happens, it becomes this scene 
where Morbius basically breaks down Loki mentally. I've never seen anything like that before. I was like, wow. It was amazing. Yeah, because, you know, Loki's all like, I'm I'm a god. You can't whatever. And then Mobius is just like, all right, but just kind of using these reels. And he was like, for somebody, he was like, for somebody who's supposed to be a god, you sure lose a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, and then because in the beginning, because remember, this is 2012 Loki at Avengers. He was like, well, what do you want to do? He was like, well, I want to rule Midgard. And then I want to rule the Nine Realms. And then Morbius is like, okay, and then what? Right. Right. And then it becomes this this really cool discussion about free will yeah. versus control. Yeah, um, I had that all written down, like yeah. free will or predetermined destiny. So what did you think what did you think about that? I loved it. What did you I, think of that? I loved it. And you know what I love most about that uh, Mo- Mobius character? Uh-huh. Is he when he was, you know, I, I I call it an interrogation, but it didn't really feel I mm-hmm. mean, it's still technically it felt like a therapy session. That's what it really yeah, felt like. Yeah, it did like. feel like a therapy <laughs> session. But what I liked about it is like yeah. he let everything kind of sit there. He kind of like mm-hmm. uh he he kind of like manipulated the whole conversation like mm-hmm. he had all the time in the world and right. you could tell that Loki is so impatient. He did he didn't like to like sit with those quiet moments. After Ooh. he would like ask him a question or anything. Great observation. Because he kept getting up. You're right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and, and Mor- Morbius acted like he had all the time in the world. He would just kind of like sit Which back. Which he does. And Which just, he does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the TVA. He would just like yeah. put a question out there and let it sit. Mm-hmm. And that would just really make Loki so uncomfortable. And of course, he comes back with his his brash, fast, you know, responses. And mm-hmm. Morbius would just like say something really slow mm-hmm. another question that just kind of like it was it was really masterful to watch yeah and and i think that it's interesting what you were saying about just like slowing down because that's owen wilson yeah right? it totally is that's totally his is. mo every role that he plays and i think he's a wonderful actor mm-hmm. um every role that he plays like the way that he ta- he doesn't he doesn't like he's very chill not right. in a Matthew McConaughey way, a McConaughey way, but more <laughs> right. like, but more like, a, all right, let's let's think about this. Let's, you know what I mean. And so he's mm-hmm. like with Wedding Crashers. I thought that's why he was such a great balance to Vince Vaughn because Vince Vaughn is like, you know, he's he's on ten. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> totally. Owen Wilson is like the opposite of that, and he's he's such a quirky actor, and his 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 career has always fascinated me because he's just done all sorts of different roles and yet his quirkiness works in the MCU which is of course oh, it's this, perfect in yeah here. it's this multi-billion dollar whatever and and I love that Marvel is swinging for the fences with these very specific quirky type of actors and directors like when you think of Taika Waititi you know mm-hmm. like he was the perfect fit for Ragnarok. I don't think you could have gotten like a James Cameron or somebody no. more mainstream. You know what I mean? And so, and I think that's one of Kevin Feige's uh, gifts. Um, and also the casting director is that they're like, we're not really looking for like popularity. We're looking for what can you bring to the MCU? Like your your specific gifts or your specific character um, or your specific um, aura. What can you bring into the MCU? Um, right. And I, I think of like Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. like she's Val. 
Like, yeah. what? Like, I would have, I think everybody was like, Joy Lou in the MCU. But she's perfect. She's right? perfect for that character. She's totally perfect. I can't wait to see her with Sam Jackson. Oh, my God. Oh, my um, goodness. I cannot you know, wait for that. Another series. great actor who's had, like, these very quirky and, you know, specific roles, but he works as Nick Fury. So, yeah. So, I feel like Owen Wilson is, like, this great counterbalance to Tom's, uh, you know, portrayal of Loki. Because Loki is just full of himself. He's just a gas bag. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. Morbius is just somebody who lacks ego. He, la- you know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. not aggressive, and he's just like, all right. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know everything. I mean? It's everything that makes Loki uncomfortable. Yes, because everything that makes him because he's good with violence and aggression. He's yep. not good with that. You <laughs> yep. know? Yeah. And so I really love that scene. That and and I appreciated that that Marvel did that because again, I was wondering how are they going to reconcile this version of Loki, right? Mm. Who had just come off of doing some really awful things. And it was this moment of reckoning. And and I'm really fascinated that in phase four of the MCU, a lot of these characters that we liked and we loved or whatever, but now in phase four, it kind of feels like, especially with these series, now we have a chance to do a deep dive with them with six or seven or eight episodes. Um, and it's kind of like this deconstruction of of who you are. Like, yes, he was very entertaining. Yes, he was, you know, Thor's adversary or whatever. But it's like, who is Loki really? Yeah, they're really having to face consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've seen in all these series so far. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it was just like, wow. And so, yeah. So <laughs> somehow, I mean. During the midst of this, somehow Loki escapes, <laughs> and we need to talk about this. So he he somehow he gets a a, a handle on the remote control. Well, you can but... see it when you know he fell down and Mor- Morbius oh, helped him up. You can see him. That's steal what he's... It. God yeah. mischief. God doing mischief. total Loki things. I was wondering how he got his hands on it. Thank you. Yeah, I that. noticed it. I know. Yeah. I was like, yep, he just took it right there. Yeah. He totally so he it. ends up. You know, teleporting himself out of that chamber, he finds himself um, basically in the hallway and he (laughs) basically approaches, (laughs) you know, sort of like this lower, just regular one of the cogs of the of the TVA. Right. And he's basically like, listen, you're going to help me get out of here. You're going to help me break out of here and everything. And so what's interesting is. You know, he asked the guy, oh, his name is Casey. He's played by Eugene Casey. Cordero. And I yeah. love him. He's just like one of those workers, just like, yeah, I work for the TVA. And yeah. Um, <laughs> so so Casey basically is like, all right, what are you looking for? You're looking for the Tesseract? All right, I think I know where it is. So they go into this office. You see all these, you know, more bureaucracy, all these, you know, um, desks, like these very 1950s, 60s looking desks mm-hmm. in the chairs. And then he opens up a drawer. He gets the Tesseract, but then Loki looks in there and it's Loki's like, wait a minute, are those Infinity Stones? (laughs) And what Casey said blew my mind. He was like, oh, yeah, we get those all the time. We just use them as paperweights. I I love how casually he said it, too. Wow. What did you get out of that scene? Because I like that kind of blew. I mean, it was funny, but I understood the levels to it. Yeah. Yeah. It totally Mm -hmm. blew my mind, but it was kind of wild because you could see. The look, you know, the look on Loki's face changed so quickly. Yes. And he, he realized, like we realized watching it, uh-huh. that, you know, like 
where he was at, the TVA location. Yes. You know, it's just like a whole nother level of power. And that everything that we knew and that he knew was Mm -hmm. minuscule in comparison. Absolutely. Right. Because we're just getting off of the Infinity Saga, right? Right. We just had half the the universe get turned (laughs) to dust. These are paperweights and some like bureaucrats desk. And they're like, ah, it doesn't mean anything. And I love that because what it is, is what it's doing is it's basically, I don't want to say invalidating, but what it is, is what it's doing is that it's priming us for what's to come in season four. And we're going to see that with the Eternals, Mm, right? With these, like, yes, the Avengers, they're powerful, but then they're like, oh no, we're about to take it to a whole other level. (laughs) You know what They're I'm saying? They're nothing compared to these gods that these came, gods. you know, thousands yeah. of years ago. Right. You know, because uh, don't the Eternals, aren't the Eternals sort of like connected to the Celestials as well? Yeah. Yeah, yes. they are. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. I'm going to keep saying this, man. People can say what they want about Marvel, but they, they know their shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the MCU, that nothing is gratuitous. Like every... Like every series is going to be connected somehow to the, the bigger, you know, big screen version. So it's not like, it's not like disjointed where it's like, okay, well this show, but how about this movie? It's like, no, no, no. They're all connected. Like all of these shows are kind of like WandaVision and Falcon went into Witcher Soldier and now Loki are all kind of connected. Yeah. They're all preparing us for like what we're going to get in, in phase four. That's the awesome thing that the Infinity Saga gave us. Like Mm -hmm. the Infinity Saga being so successful gave us Mm -hmm. this, you know, phase four where kind of Marvel can do things, what what they want to do at their own pace and Mm -hmm. how they want to do it. And it's it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit I was a little nervous for phase four because I was like, where do you go from here? Like after the Infinity Saga, you like, you beat the ultimate big bad. Like, where do you go? And they were like, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go. We're going to we're going to jump up. We're just going to go. We're going up. to the next level. We're going to the next level. So it's like celestials. What? Oh, yeah. my God. You know, because the gods for us in, you know, phase one through three were like Thor. Right. With right. Asgard. And now they're saying that's invalidated. Like they're like, oh, those are. They're just you know, aliens. They're you know? just aliens. Yeah. Because Loki's powers don't work in mm-hmm. the TVA. And he is so annoyed by that. So anyway. He gets the uh, he gets the uh, the tesseract. Um, you know the Minutemen come to try to retrieve him, and then you know he poofs himself. He basically teleports back to the chamber because he wants to see the rest of the reel. Because remember, Morbius had been showing him highlights of his life, right? And, and so he decides to go back because I think what really shook him up was when he saw uh, it was the scene from Thor two when his mother died. Mm-hmm. That scene caught me because he didn't know. Like he didn't because oh, that because remember right. he hasn't lived through that yet. Because right. when, when he gets captured in Avengers, then he you know he's brought back to Asgard, and that's when Thor two happens. So, so basically, so, it it was like seeing the future for him because yes, he hadn't seen any of that stuff. Yet. Absolutely, and so it was like, and then to find out that it was his fault that his mother was killed because remember mm-hmm. he had made that that double dealing. Whatever yep. with the the Frost King, the what do you call them? I forget from I forget what the yeah, what they called Frost Giants or Frost something? Giants, oh. yes. And then to find out that his duplicity was responsible for his mother dying because whatever Loki can say, he loved 
her. And even as much as, as energy as he puts towards towards Thor, he loves Thor too. Right. And yeah. Odin, right? It's a very mm-hmm. love-hate relationship. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, Thor has a love-hate relationship with Odin. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah, so he goes back to the chamber. He tele- teleports back to the chamber to see the rest of the reel. And that's when he sees his death mm-hmm. at, in Infinity War when um, uh, when uh, Thanos kills him. And the look on his face. Mm, yeah. Like to see your death. Yeah, that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, this is going real deep. And when uh, it was just like, we're about to get real with (laughs) y'all. Like, it's all fun and games. Ha, ha, ha. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, here's the real. And somebody had tweeted this. And uh, I I will have to give them credit in the notes. I'll have to find the tweet. But somebody had said that when you look at that real, the final scene, it's it's not when Thanos crushes him the last reel the last shot of that reel at the end of his life is thor holding him thor is like over him slumped over yes so the last thing that he ever felt or saw was the love of his brother i'm trying not to cry of his brother (laughs) holding him yeah you know and i think that's when it i think that's when so then you know when morbius comes back um, and they, and I think that's when he finally has this breakthrough where he was just like, everything that I do, intimidating people, he was like, I don't enjoy killing people, but I know that fear is how I control people, right? That's mm-hmm. the only thing I have to have control over people. But he was like, but really it's just a tool of the week. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere, right? Yeah. Because that, that's really who Loki is. He is somebody who is so wrapped with jealousy and insecurity, right? Because once he found out that he was not the real biological child of Freya and Odin, you know what I'm saying? It was just yeah. sort of like, oh, you guys lied to me my whole life. I mean, he already had the rivalry with, with Thor ever since they were bro- you know, little boys. That's just like a regular brotherly rivalry, right? Like who's mm-hmm. going to be king? But then to find out like, I'm not even related to y'all by blood and I'm actually like these, some blue giant, icy giant, you know what I mean? That just- yeah. I think it just heightened his insecurities. Yeah, that was the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was it was just like I felt like I was looking at him for the first time. You know what yeah, I mean? Me like too. yeah, like he's really he knows he ain't shit. Like let's be real. <laughs> he knows he ain't shit and this is why he overcompensates. He overcompensates by being so arrogant and so aggressive or whatever cuz he knows he's nobody. Right. Because yeah. because isn't there a, a, a line where Morbius says your failures is so other people can rise? Yeah. And, it, and you he see totally that picture, said that. Right. And the you Avengers, see the picture of Avengers? where it's the cameras like circling all of them. There you go. Yep. And that's and that's all his life is. It's like you you play the villain to make the heroes <laughs> stronger. <laughs> and he was like that. And, and I think that's when Morbius has that breakthrough with Loki. And Loki was like, I don't want that. Have. And I think that's when he asked Mobius, "Well, can I go back?" And Mobius like, "No, you can't go back." But yeah, but what did what did you think of that that breakthrough scene? I, I thought it was really beautifully written. I thought it was yeah, beautiful. it was it was um, it was to- it was beautifully written. It, and I and like I was saying earlier, this is really the first time that I've ever like empathized with Loki as a character 
at mm-hmm. all. Like I empathize with him a little bit mm-hmm. um, during Ragnarok, you mm-hmm. know, because I could see that he was starting to heal his relationship with Thor. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little bad when he got killed in Endgame, but it was more I felt for Thor than I felt for Loki. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he lost a brother. Yes. Right, yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. But uh, this is the first time I've actually felt for Loki. And you can mm-hmm. see that like this is going to be like a major change, even compared to when he died in Endgame. Like this yeah. is a completely major change to the character. And and I think what Loki Loki is unique in the fact that he gets a second second chance, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the regular MCU timeline, he through Ragnarok, he well a little bit in Thor too. Although, yeah. you know, then he pretended to be his father or whatever. But right. in Ragnarok, you definitely saw him start to change. I mean, he did he did his shady stuff. and it, But once Thor was like, no, we're not having that kind of relationship anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that because he tried to trick Thor. And then Thor was like, no, we, yeah. we, we this is the game we keep playing and we're not doing <laughs> this anymore. And that's when I think that's when Loki really was like, oh, OK, so I got to. We got to change this relationship dynamic, right? Yeah, so and that was, was part of like Thor's yeah. development during that movie. Absolutely, that he kind of realized that about himself. Yeah, you know, he's like, "Why do I keep falling for this? Like, why am I so- <laughs> no?" He was like, "This is who you are. You're the god of mischief, and so I have to deal with you accordingly." You know what I mean? But there was definitely some sort of allyship that was starting towards the end of Ragnarok, and then when we pick up in in Infinity War, when he destroys half the ship and half the Asgardians. That's when we really saw Loki really step up, you know, where he was just like, yo, like (laughs) the universe is at stake right now. Like the fate of the universe (laughs) is at stake right now. And he really took on Thanos. And I think he knew he was going to die. He, I mean, listen, he beat the Hulk. Okay. So it's just like, (laughs) and the Hulk beat up Loki. So let's do the math. Right. So, you know, so I feel like he he made like that final sacrifice. Um, and so that was his redemption in that timeline. And now here in Loki with and this is, you know, 2012 Loki. Now, I guess with this show, he's going to get a, another redemption arc. I mean, listen, we can talk about how white male characters <laughs> get redemption arcs all the time. And I'm happy to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, I am interested to see. how. Thor, I mean, I'm sorry, um, how Loki is going to come about. Because I, I do like the fact that he is being held accountable for what he did. Yeah. 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 Totally. And that's and that's the first step in redemption, right? It's mm-hmm. not just, just doing nice things. It's like you have, you have to, to sit, own it. You have to own it. And be like, yo, I really did some effed up shit. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think looking at that reel of his constant failures and his constant he was like, what am I doing? I think he was just sort of like, why, why am I wasting my life like for these things? You know what I mean? Like you have all yeah. these abilities and gifts and you keep wasting it on like these ridiculous- You can see it on his face. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you totally see that's what he was feeling on his, yeah. just from his expressions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so towards the end, remember in the <laughs> beginning, we found out that there is some sort of time traveler who's- you know, taking out the Minutemen or whatever. And so, you know, um, Morbius basically makes a offer to Loki where he was like, maybe, you know, if, if you want to do something, you can work with me because, you know, we're, we're being killed off. Um, and then Loki was like, well, who is it? And he was like, it's you. <laughs> we're like, what? 
I was like, wait you a know, minute. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like it was sitting out there the whole time that was him, but I still didn't, I didn't see it until you he said that. It? No, like when I went back and watched it the second time, I was like, okay, when mm-hmm. when when they went back to the 1500s and he was talking about the stab wounds and stuff, I was like, I should have known it was Loki then. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think about it that first time through. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm about to throw something at you. This might fuck you up. But I'm going to throw something at you and you tell me what you think. Okay. Now. Kevin, I believe it was either the head writer, Kate Heron, one of the executives behind Loki, did an interview this week and they confirmed that Loki in this series is gender fluid because much like the comic book, in the comic book, we know that Loki is gender fluid, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Or non-binary, right? Right. Okay. Now, when I watched that scene towards the end, Right. That's when the Minutemen went to confront that other Loki, the one who's the time jumper. You couldn't really see him because there was he was wearing like a hooded cloak and he was wearing like these kind of gloves or whatever. And then he kind of had the the feel soaked in gasoline and lit mm-hmm. a match and burnt their asses up. But to me, when I was looking at that figure, I was like, that's not a man. Oh, I w- I, that would not surprise me. You know what I'm saying? So they're saying it's Loki. They're saying Loki is gender fluid. And what I realized when I looked at IMDb, remember how I was no, I was listing all the women of color in the show? Remember I said Sasha Lane is in Loki, but she, her character does not have a name. Oh. She's only listed in two episodes, but there is no character next to her name. And I think that she is the female representation of loki that would not surprise me because i mean there was i don't Mm -hmm. know how long ago it was but there was a run in the comics where there was a lady loki yes and how fascinating that they picked a woman of color Uh uh-huh to be to be low i mean i could be wrong i don't know we'll see i mean that's just i think you're right i think you're right and it would be perfect it would be perfect Right, because I was just because I was just looking at the figure, the way that the figure moved, and the figure. Because I was like, if it was just Tom Hiddleston's, they would have shown that, right? Right. But the right. fact that they kept this person in the shadow, and I was just looking at the way that the movement was, I was like, Mm-mm, that's mm-hmm. not Tom Hiddleston, and that's not a man. That's a good catch. That's a and, real good. And that's catch. probably why they haven't been. That, that's probably why the Minutemen have not been able to catch this version of the Loki mm. because they're looking for a man. They're looking for something else, yeah. So if Loki is like, well, I'm just going to time jump and do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to change my gender. <laughs> Nobody would know to look for a woman Loki. They're looking for Ooh, a man. I hope I hope you're right. Yeah. Because that, that is perfect for this character. Yeah, that's, and, and that's, and I, I really hope that this is what they do because one, that's definitely a direction of um, expanding the MCU as far as gender expression mm-hmm. and 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 gender fluidity and yes. what i'm hoping is that with this we can finally finally like have like queer characters i know we are like relationships to- and everything yes like we are yeah. supposed to have um a queer couple in the eternals which is great i think it's supposed to be uh brian tyree henry's character yeah, with somebody character. else Yep. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that maybe this will be the time where it's like, it's about that time, guys. Like, 
You yeah, know, like, and then like we'll I, get America Chavez and the uh, Doctor Strange movie. Yes, and don't listen. Please give her a girlfriend. Like, don't play with us. Yeah, right? exactly. Stop, stop doing the. Oh, it's in the press release. Yeah, America Chavez is queer, but we don't see her with no with, with no girlfriends. I'm like, nah, come on now. I mean, and listen, maybe they'll do it in the Wakanda series finally. Yes, I think it's time. And I mean, I, I, it I, is. I yeah, I said this on the Vanity Fair podcast. I was like, Disney and Feige have shown themselves to be. They are just they they are unlosable right now. They cannot mm-hmm. lose right now, at least for me. So I feel like at this point. You can put queer characters, and if people decide, um, if somebody's like, "Well, I'm not gonna pay to go see a Marvel movie because I don't want to see two men kissing," then stay your ass home. Yeah, and go get some yeah. therapy. But yeah. they're gonna they're gonna make that money. They're gonna make that money anyway. They're gonna make that money, whether <laughs> whether you like it or not. And with the Eternals coming out in November, and you know, seeing a, a queer male couple, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? I, I agree with you. I think Wakanda is the way to go. I think. They can finally commit to Io having, you know, a, a, a queer relationship and just open it up and not be afraid. It's like, I feel like, you know, if these pairs or these Christians or whatever are going to boycott MC. We don't need you. Goodbye. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's really how I feel. It's like, go go watch something else, but we'll be here with our money. Okay. Uh-huh. I <laughs> totally our, agree with you. And our viewership. Uh, well, thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for, for the invitation. Me. Looking You're forward welcome. to episode two. Me too. I cannot wait. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm waiting to see if my theory pans out. I think it will. Theory. I think you're oh, right. Thank you. We're, we're good with the theories. We're good with uh, the theories. So we're going to see that. So thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.